You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello and welcome to episode 94 of the Manage Mental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. This podcast is propelled by your input and feedback, so please rate and review and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. We would like to give a big thanks to Bob Klazuski for our newest five-star rating and positive review on Apple Podcasts. I am your host, Mr. Blasco, and as always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, Mr. Mike Mowry. What up, what up, Blasco? Uh, Thanks, Bob. And, uh, you know, I want to give a special shout out to um, the URM guys, Unstoppable Recording Machine. As we talked about last week, we were... We were there, sort of. Um, <laughs> you know, you had to you had to bail out, unfortunately, due to some some wildfires in California. Uh, I was able to stay for the whole thing, and I gotta say, it was really, really uh, a treat to see what a community they built. And you know, I think there's a lot of overlap with what we're doing here with Managemental. Of course, you know, a lot of the education stuff you do, Blasco. Of course, I've got Outer Loop Coaching and then the Unstoppable Recording Machine stuff. So, if you're not familiar, uh, we'll put a sh- we'll put a link in the show notes. But go check them out. They've got an amazing community, predominantly for. Um, producers uh you know uh mixers songwriters all of that but there is a lot of overlap because of the developmental component of what it is that you and i cover here so just want to give a shout out to them and um yeah good to be back on the mic with you yes uh in the last episode we chatted about making sure your album was release ready that was a really great episode so check it out if you haven't already today's episode is sponsored by our buddies at rockabilia.com go check them out for the awesomest collection of officially licensed band merch on the planet use our code pc jabberjaw and get 15 percent off your entire order yeah you know it's uh sunday 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 that we're recording here but i want to say holiday 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 you know by the time this episode airs we will be well into the week of thanksgiving which means black friday will be upon you shortly if you are listening to this as it is dropped or before black friday and our folks our buds over at rockabilia you know if you're looking for merchandise items for yourself for your family for your loved ones even for that stranger uh who you don't know but you only know our voices um me and blasco i would head over rockabilia.com you know they got five hundred thousand plus items of pretty much any kind of apparel that you might want from bands that you know that you don't know that you should know that you might not never know um but the beautiful thing is no matter what you put in your cart when you go to checkout if you use our code pc jabberjaw 
uh, you get 15% off. So please do that. Tell them Blasco and Mike sent you. And uh, hey, happy Black Friday to you. Today's episode is also sponsored by the cool kids over at bandzoogle.com where you can build a stunning website for your music in minutes. Try it free for 30 days and be sure to use the promo code MENTAL to get 15% off the first year of your subscription. Love what the guys at Bandzoogle do. They make it easy for you to build a band website and host a, your own custom domain. Uh, you know, and they allow, they've got a lot of drag and drop features that you can um, integrate so many of the third party you know, things that developmental acts and even established acts use. So if you're, you know, interested, even if you're not interested, you should be interested in having one place to direct everyone, um, you know, in regards to things with your band, your brand, your company, head over to bandzoogle.com, tell them Blasco and Mike sent you. You get that, uh, you know, your first 30 days for free, as Blasco said, and then you use that coupon mental because we are so mental for that 15% off. So, yeah. Head on over to Banzoogle.com. Right on. This week, we talk about the saga of Jared Threaten. This is going to be killer, so let's get mental. Yeah, what's exciting to me about the threat going on in today's society is, I don't know if you saw, but the internet went wild when Minor Threat, the members of the fucking legendary DC hardcore band, probably my favorite band of all time, um, or at least top five, you know, they, they, they have a legendary photo from sitting on the steps of the Discord Records house. They replicated that in, uh, with all four members. Um, you know, in today's age, <laughs> and Brian Baker, Brian Baker, the amazing guitar player posted it. And just the caption was senior threat. So <laughs> it's a great time to be, <laughs> be alive. If you've got a threat going on. <laughs> so I did a little, a little investigation on that. So obviously there's no way they would get back together and milk that. Cause it's just totally anti their, their whole stance. Absolutely. Um, but they did get together and chat about a bunch of stuff. And I'm really curious what that meeting was all about. You know, maybe they was just, you know, just hanging out like over sodas and just talking about how great the good old days were, but really cool that they, they did that photo and wow, what a bunch of internet, like trolling the internet to, to do that. Cause it was like in my newsfeed constantly yesterday. So pretty funny on them. Yeah, if you guys aren't familiar with Minor Threat, you know, please go check them out. It could be a little bit abrasive. It is hardcore, you know, from the years of, oh man, I want to say like 83 to, I don't know, 85 in DC. Don't quote me, I'm not the punk rock historian, but some of the most raw, energetic, powerful music that to me has ever been written. Um, still one of my favorite bands, listen to them on the regular and, uh, just an inspiring culture. You know, I think yourself and, and me, I would imagine, I know I am influenced by not only that band, but discord records and the way that they carry themselves. So it is cool. I, I would love to know what that meeting was about, but in due time, we'll figure out if it's just, yeah, like you said, sharing some sodas, uh, <laughs> as they roll into their own, uh, Thanksgiving weekend festivities. Yes. So this week's episode is about the band Threaten. And, uh, you know, I didn't necessarily want to get into this, but a lot of people wrote in and actually was like, you guys have to talk about this. You guys have to talk about this. And I was like, okay, cool. I mean, you know, we are a music business 
oriented podcast. So this was big news in the music business arena. So it, it would seem that we have to, we have to talk about it. Um, and so, uh, you know, the news basically broke through metal sucks and, they were doing a lot of the investigative reporting on this. But as I dug deep to pull up some stuff for uh, this episode today, oh my God, you would not believe like the New York Times did a piece on this guy. Variety did a piece on this guy. I mean, like metal sucks and metal injection, you know, digging in this, you know, not really, you know, reinventing the wheel here. But the fact that it was newsworthy for the New York Times and Variety, I find hilarious. Um, That's freaking awesome. And yeah, you know, I got to admit, I mean, you know, I love it because uh, you always bring amazing things for us to discuss to the table. And I was a little surprised that when you when you mentioned that we were going to do this because it is a little you know we're not typically into you know the hot topics of ex- well that's not true we say that we're into the hot topics so um i'm just excited to do it i think it is a little bit different and and um yeah it does it it reinforces what we do here which is talk about the business especially of developing artists so it's kind of kind of cool but yeah holy cow to make the new york times is is actually a pretty challenging thing to do yeah so for anyone that's been living under Iraq uh, and is unfamiliar with the Jared Threaten from the band Threaten story. Um, I'll give you a little backstory. Um, Jared Eames, who goes by the stage name Jared Threaten, began Threaten as a solo act after his departure from Abigail Williams. In 2015, Threaten released the single Living is Dying. In 2017, the album Breaking the World was released with Jared Threaten performing all the instruments. So, Mike, um, I didn't realize that he was a member of uh, Abigail Williams, which is a band that I've actually heard of. I was going to say I didn't either. And um, Abigail Williams is one of those funny ones because, you know, 10 years ago when I was, you know, heavily involved in more of that world, you know, uh, helping Ash with the first couple summer slaughters and things like that. They were one of those bands that just always came up, Mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. So I had never heard of Jared Threaten. Um, I'd never even heard of the band Threaten. That doesn't mean that, you know, they weren't something, but yeah, it is. It's kind of cool and interesting to, to hear that he had some role in, yeah, what I would call, you know, they were an established act. They may not have gotten huge in any capacity, but I know they were greatly respected uh, for at least some period of time. Um, so, yeah, it's it's kind of cool that he's not just some total newbie off the streets. Correct. Um, Correct. Um, in November 2018, Threaten was booked to tour the United Kingdom and Europe, having informed venues they had sold hundreds of tickets and had paid the higher fee before each gig. However, the tour achieved widespread news coverage when it became known that the shows had been played to empty rooms. The Camden Underworld in London had been told that 291 advanced tickets had been sold, but three people attended, whereas 180 tickets had supposedly been sold for the Bristol Exchange, but the band played to an empty room. So a little bit of a a backstory here to piece this all together. So this dude hired musicians and booked this tour and, and, and the way that he was able to book this tour is he created this entire backstory that we'll get into. Um, but whenever it says here that he, um, that he paid the fees, he, he four-walled the venues, meaning that he paid the house nut for the venues themselves. So 
for anyone that doesn't, for anyone that isn't understanding how he was able to book all these gigs with all this fake information, the reality is is that he didn't even need all that fake information. He could have just booked these gigs without saying that he had a bunch of pre-sold tickets. If he was, if there was an empty night in the underworld and he was willing to pay the venue fee to four wall the event, then it, it's you can do that. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, if you money. and I wanted to throw the the managemental, you know, get together, mm-hmm. we could go down to any venue that's got an open date and say, Hey, what's the cost to rent this room? They tell us it's 10,000 bucks. If you and I, you know, graciously come into a bunch of cash by doing this podcast. Yeah. So, so my, uh, we could throw down, right? So, that what you, is that what you mean? Yeah. And so, but my question to you is, and, um, and maybe we'll probably never know. Um, but is like, in my mind, I go, you're going to go through all this work, right? And to keep in mind, the dude is based somewhere in Southern California. Um, you're going to go through all this work to set up this thing, to set up the situation to where you're going to book a tour. I'm confused as to why you would book a UK tour. Why not just book like a, like a California tour or so, you know what I mean? Like if you're going to go through all the trouble, why get on a plane to go eight hours where you have to drive on the wrong side of the road and, and rent gear. And like, it just seems like he, he burdened himself with a lot of unnecessary work to have had the same results in your own backyard. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And that was sort of my first question as well. Um, you know, just because you and I both know, all right, hiring out these venues, I don't know what the underworld costs, but I've been there plenty of times, as have you. I mean, it's not a cheap room. I can it was imagine. apparently, so apparently that, it was about $1,000 US to rent out for the night. Okay, that's not even that expensive, no. man. I mean, to me, I'm thinking that's probably a $5,000 room once you get staff, security, everything else. So if he got that and got it for a deal, that ain't so bad. But then, like you said, okay, we're flying musicians over. We're paying these musicians. We're renting a vehicle. We're renting gear. I can only say, and, you know, there's been a long sort of standing joke that, you know, Europe sometimes, and and I think this is much more before the internet, you know, had always been a few years. There's a lag between what's happening in the U.S. and what actually gets over to certain parts of Europe, which would, of course, make sense, you know, stylistically when I was playing hardcore, you know, something that would happen here in 1995, by the time we rolled over there in 1999, that had kind of caught on and been the trend, which of course would make sense. Um, you know, the other thought is it's probably a little easier still to, you know, again, it doesn't sound like he had to dupe anyone. I mean, he paid the freaking fee, so Correct. they're not even investigating, you know. But in my mind, I mean, I remember when we were first sending Periphery. You know, an artist that I managed for quite some time when we were sending them to to UK and Europe, you know, we were able to look at the insights on, you know, whatever the social media channels were at that point. Facebook was was really the thriving one. And I remember going to our agent and saying, hey, you know, as part of the plan that we want to build for whatever album it was, probably the first one, you know, we want to get them over to the UK, Europe and um, UK and Europe. And, you know, he's like, look, man, I'm going around and and you know, promoters aren't necessarily sold on this thing. You know, they have no history. They're not hearing the buzz in the mainstream press. And what I said is I'm willing to risk it. Right. And of course I went to the band, very smart band was, you know, we could see our insights. We knew 
something. And so our agent was great. And again, I, I don't, sounds like this guy didn't even have an agent, but you can sort of, it's not even bullying, but that's sort of the, the idea that comes to my mind is you can kind of force the, the, the issue. I think there maybe a little bit easier than you can here. Um, I don't know the facts of that. I don't know if the guy wanted a book chain reaction that he could just go down and get that room, but maybe for him, the whole idea was this is going to work. Like there's a gamble, like it's either going to fail miserably or maybe he's so delusional and that's got to be part of this. You know, it's got to be a little bit that the dude is delusional to think that this would have worked. I mean, I'd love as we talk about this to roll the, you know, the choose your own adventure where this whole thing actually succeeds because he was willing to take a freaking chance on himself. Right. Yeah. I mean, it potentially was a little bit of if we build it, they will come mentality. Um, And I think also, too, maybe he was because he, he had he had local bands opening. So maybe it was the thought of that the local bands will draw. They'll talk about it and they'll put some meat in the seats. And, you know, this will end up being being fine. And even if we can, you know, maybe people off the street and whatever else, it's like, even if there's only like a hundred people there, like it's still our first tour in Europe, you know, that's something significant that we can come back home with that, you know, we did a tour and, you know, whatever, 50 to hundred people showed up and da, 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 even though they, even though they really didn't, you know, they were there, but like, you know, part of me goes like, man, if you're going to do something like that, like, and you're paying to rent the rooms in advance, it's like, then just put a bunch of your friends on the guest list at least. Like, why would you go to a place where you know no one? (laughs) You know, like, it's just, it just seems crazy to me that it's just like, man, because like you and I, like we could form a band tomorrow and book a gig and we could have probably at least 50 people there just on the guest list alone. You know what I mean? I hope you mean each, my man. <laughs> no, I, I agree, but I think that's where some of this disillusionment has to have played mm-hmm. in, right? And I think there's the case, you know, it's hard. I mean, even though you and I could do that, if we did just form the band tomorrow, I'd imagine it wouldn't be very good. And the idea of of being embarrassed would would for me be the thing you know it's easier to like for me personally to open up to strangers sometimes than it is the people closest to me and i'm imagining that had to play in here a little bit there's some anonymity even though it's not really but that that same thing that drives that component of it must have played in here where he's like okay it's the uk it's europe if it does fail miserably you know my friends didn't actually see it right I'd love to talk to this guy because he might have his own maniac spin on this, right? Yeah. That dude, I don't know. I mean, there were, they say there's three people in the room. There was 30 people, right? Because you and I have both run into people just like that, where the facts and what they think the facts are, are so you know, far apart. And and that's what their self-protection mechanism yeah. is. So let's dig a little deeper. Uh, it was later discovered that the 38,000 likes on the band's Facebook page had been bought. It was also found that Threaten created a series of fake websites for a booking agency, Stage Right Bookings, 
a record label, Superlative Music Recordings, a PR company, Magnified Media PR, a music recording studio, Mindframe Studios, a film production company, Glass Castle Film and Photography, and various music press websites, Top Rock Press, New York Music Review, Celebrity Music Scene, in an attempt to give his band credibility and secure the tour, and referenced other made-up companies, Universal Web Group, and bands and artists. Doctored footage of threatened performing in an arena to audience stock footage was used to produce a promotional video for the European tour. Now look, I know that there's a lot of people that are discounting this portion of the story of like, well, we can't give the guy credit. He, you know, he, he did all this. And I go, no, I go, because this requires a lot of effort. And from what I can tell, there's only this dude and his wife, right. That, that concocted this whole thing. And they created a ton of bullshit information out there to give his band some sense of foundational credibility. And and, I, and I'm not looking at what it is. I'm looking at the amount of time that it took to do all this. And I think to myself, wow, man, I wish I knew a lot of bands that spent the equal amount of time on their own band doing something actually useful <laughs> for their own band. You know what I mean? I mean, is this real life? Like this is the, I'm, I'm sitting here as a guy that loves podcasts and produces podcasts. I want to have written this story. (laughs) Like this is so freaking cool. This is where, you know, whatever the, you know, this is so fictional and delusional. And I'm sitting here impressed by, as a guy that prides himself on naming things, right? Yeah. These are good names for companies. Right. Stage right bookings, superlative music recordings, magnified media. Or, I mean, dude, I love this. I want this to, I hope to God that this is true. And it, it is, it's so fascinating because like you said, does somebody spend this amount of time? I'm almost like, dude, imagine if you'd have just done it for real. Like, instead of faking it, if you put this much effort into doing it real, you'd have probably been where you wanted to be in a year's time. And it wasn't like he just created a website or or like he just made up the (laughs) – like he created backstories for all these companies. He he made interviews where he's interviewing himself, but you don't even – but you don't know it. Like, like the, like, like when you dig into this and granted, we don't have, you know, three hours to, to dig that deep. But if you want to go online and it's specifically metal sucks, um, you want to go on there and, and dig into this. Like it's incredible the amount of, of detail that went in to faking this whole thing. And if Ash Avelson, if you're listening right now, if you don't grab the film rights of this dude's story, you're missing a tremendous opportunity. (laughs) Hold on, hold on. I'm going to represent this guy to sell the rights to Ash. Hold on. uh, Edit this out, everybody now. I mean, honestly, like I'm saying, I wish that I'd written this. This is fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, look, in in terms of the the topic of conversation and, and the point of this podcast, uh, we're talking about this dude. He really accomplished nothing in the grand scheme of things. However, 
He did get the New York Times and Variety to talk about him as well as us and a slew of other people. Even Anthony Fontana like is is talking about this fucking dude, right? So he accomplished something significant. Now, I can't necessarily endorse what he did in terms of purchasing all the, the fakeness because at the end of the day, we have preached this many times that – Fake. We we all kind of know that whenever something is fake. However, in this particular case, Jared sort of proved us all wrong in that the clubs, you know, on the surface level, was it fake? Sure. Can people like you and I dig into it? Maybe we're a little curious and and we go like, wow, this is a little this is a little suspicious. But they didn't because on the surface level, it didn't need further investigation. It was, it was willing to be taken at face value because he did so much now, but look, the long winded point here is, is if you're going to do something like this, have a bigger sense of what the agenda is, because it felt like what the opportunity that got missed here is, is that whenever it started to get attention and started to take off, it's like, that's whenever he threw in the towel, which feels like a missed opportunity to me. It's like, it feels like that's whenever you throw gasoline on the fire, right? Like, it's like the lost leader is the Camden underworld, no one being there or the Bristol show, no one being there. But I guarantee you, if he would have convinced these band dudes to not bail in the middle of, of the tour and stick around, I guarantee you the last half of these shows on this 10 show tour, there would have been people there. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, there there very well may have been people there. They may have also all been buying at least one beer to throw at him. So what? Honestly. Yeah, I mean, look, I agree. And and it doesn't really matter because he didn't play out and didn't play through anyways. Yeah. Um, you know, I do think that there's a, a smaller little point in here of how things operate when it comes to you know, touring and booking shows. And I think we've seen it, you know, time and time again. I know there's a constant dialogue of what did promoters do? They're so overwhelmed. Have they promoted this show? You know, blah, blah, blah. A lot of that onus is on the artist. And that's what we talk about is taking that that role for the artist, whether it's fair or not, who cares? Understand that it's on the artist to, you know, promote themselves and if the promoter does it or the label does it or whoever does it in addition that's fantastic right um you know that said why on earth would we expect anyone to have dug into this right the fact that that it did sneak past everyone there's no sneaking I mean, it's only sneaking because it's been exposed, but I would have never in a million years. And I think someone else could do this again in six months. I just don't think that this incident, we're all chuckling. We're all talking about it. I think it's an amazing opportunity for you and I to just like marvel at it. <laughs> and that's what it is to me. This episode is like, holy cow, like I, I want to congratulate him. I also want to beat the shit out of him. And, 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 in, a, and in a very nonviolent way, I want to like, I want to understand him is what I really mean. So take the beat the shit out of him part out of it. Cause that's not true. I want to understand, yeah. right? Like, what is it? Did he want to have success so badly that he was willing to go to any cost in the, in the way that he saw it? Did he understand that he couldn't get there 
or he didn't want to put the time in to get there, you know, or is it just that in his bizarro world mind, this is something that was acceptable. And again, had it worked, like you said, had he had the larger agenda in mind and had 500 people come to that next show, wherever it was, Scotland or whatever, the, the, the where he pulled that plug, you know, would this have worked? I guarantee that that you and I, if the threaten was playing the whiskey, we'd go down and marvel at it. Yeah. Um, and here's an interesting side note to the amount of effort that went into all of these companies that don't exist, you, you know, just to, to build up the credibility of this real thing. So they're doing a show and one of the people in the opening band felt bad that no one was there. So they went to the merch booth to buy a shirt and the, and I think the wife was running the merch booth, you know, like the tour manager wife, person was running the merch booth and they didn't take credit cards. <laughs> and, and I just think that that's funny in that you set up all this shit, but you couldn't get a square account to take credit cards at the merch booth. I mean, clearly the, and apparently there was a shit ton of merch, right? So it's like, clearly the intent was that you were going to sell merch, right? It wasn't just the facade of having merch. Like you intended to sell merch, but yet you didn't said you didn't get a swiper to take credit cards. <laughs> like it just seems. You know like, what's fascinating just, about talking this through with with you though is like, you know, you have so much awareness. I mean, you got even more awareness than me. I mean, when you drop a, a term four wall, I didn't even know what that meant. I mean, I can piece it together pretty quickly, but I think that's part of the challenge. Is you're kind of able to, and, and and myself to an extent, we're able to sit up, you know and look down and say, well, here's where this was wrong. Here's where that was wrong. Here's where this was wrong. I'm imagining this kid sitting below and looking up. And frankly, yeah, I agree. For us, it's easy to say, dude, why wouldn't you have a credit card reader? But in the end, if you're creating fake websites, <laughs> you know, there's no how-to book on this one. <laughs> and if you forget the credit card reader, I'm going to give him a pass on that because to me, all of the rest of it, I mean, he's 98% of the way there. And I am just amazed that, that he's even gotten this far to get on a plane with other people to go to Europe. I know without having any idea whether people are going to show up. That to me is, is an A plus on whatever story he's writing for the freaking drama class. And Hey, man. look, I mean, we can laugh about this shit all we want, and so can a bunch of other people. But the reality is, is that the amount of like up, you know, upcoming bands that I chat with that are like, what's next? Like, what do I do next? Like, how do I tour? Like, how do I do this? Da, 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 da. I'm not saying you fabricate some, you know, extravagant backstory like this dude. But the point of it is, is like you said, he booked a tour. He hired a band. He got on a plane and went to Europe and drove through Europe and did a handful of shows. So like as much as this dude is potentially like an insane person, he still did what the majority of our listen listeners are trying to do, right? So it's not rocket science, right? And so you have to give this dude a little bit of credit that he did all of this and it's nothing that someone can't do on an organic real level as well. You know, not not I'm not I'm not endorsing the 
the, the fakeness of it all. But I'm saying on a real organic level, what he did should be commended because there's so many people that rack their brains of like, how do I do this? And like, it's not like there's some secret formula to do this. I mean, what's so funny to me is as a guy that toured the world in hardcore bands, playing in front of anyone for no money <laughs> was so much better than playing in front of no one for all the money. You know what yeah. I mean? And so the whole idea of getting there and playing to three people or playing to zero people would just be, and, and, and that's where I'm so curious. Like, did he actually think that 180 people were going to show up, right? Like, did he have it scripted in his mind where, you know, that was supposed to happen because he believed mm -hmm. it and thought that it would? And if so, how freaking crumbling should, would that have been emotionally to have no one there? You know, and I, and I, and I'm just, I don't know. I mean, this is like the tip of the iceberg here and I'm just, I'm so happy that we're covering it because my mind is racing a million miles an hour thinking how, why, yeah, <laughs> what on earth were you freaking so, thinking? So to recap for people listening, there's this guy, Jared Threaten, his band Threaten, he fabricates this elaborate backstory so that he can book a European tour. He goes over there to start the tour and no one is at the shows because everything that he, all this fan base that he created was all paid for. It didn't really exist. So no one is showing up because no one is really a fan of this band. No one even really knows who it is. So he does all this. The clubs start to rat him out and that's what points to this big media coverage or whatever. So then the band quits the the towel gets thrown in he deletes or you know mutes all of the accounts he takes down all the a, a bunch of this fabricated stuff that he can anyway so he releases a statement on twitter and the statement is this what is fake news i turned an empty room into an international headline if you are reading this you are part of the illusion <laughs> So, so the question to you is, was that the overall goal, the bigger picture, or is this some wildly amateurish way of throwing up a last minute Hail Mary to defend all of the freaking bullshit that he's put himself, his friends, his wife, and, and whoever else, us as, you know, media, uh, contributors and, and music industry professionals, as well as fans. Is, is it just BS? Well, let's check this out. Threatens top song on Spotify was under 1000 plays. Now it's up to 6,000, a 600% increase in under a week. Because Threaten's been accused of purchasing YouTube views, it's not clear how many real views his song, Living is Dying, has racked up over the platform, but it's been viewed more than one million times in recent days with comments recently posted that appear genuine and also totally hilarious. <laughs> so, Have you heard the song? Yeah, it's... How is it's it? It's whatever. Like, it's okay. Like, it, it, it's... it's it doesn't, it's sort of 
that thing where like you don't really care one way or the other. It's very middle of the road. Like it's it's you know it's it's not great and it's not horrendous. It's just like oh yeah, like if you're into that kind of thing, it's fine. You know whatever. Will it appear? Will it appear on the volume forever? It probably playlist? will not. Probably will not. All right. That that ladies and gentlemen, Blasco's amazing playlist, uh, volume forever. You can go to volumeforever.com, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. Um it redirects you. So that that's how I know whether or not he's giving it a stamp of even even, you know, slight but so 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 here we go. So, you know, this kind of all you know came unhinged from the first gig from the underworld. So the promoter at the underworld, uh, which is in London. Uh, said that theories have continued to circulate about the musician's motivations. I think he's just a rich kid who bought himself a tour so he could return to America with evidence of a UK tour in a bid to get music industry interest at home in America. Some people think this is some kind of genius level art project or social experiment. I still can't decide if it's genius or insanity, but it's probably a bit of both. So what do you think there, Mike? Yeah, I mean, that that goes in line with exactly how I'm feeling. Yeah. I mean, there's a band called uh, Born Against, amazing punk rock band, and um, the singer Sam McFeeters, oh, I can't remember the project afterwards, but it was like Men's Recovery Project or something. And when we were running the Pickle Patch, legendary I want to call it a venue. It was our apartment uh, up in Santa Barbara. They came through and played. And, you know, I didn't understand it. Homeboy got out of the van, went in. The band was all set up. He ate a bowl of cereal. I don't I, I want to just say for for story's sake, they didn't play a note of music. They packed their gear up, <laughs> went on their way. And I was so blown away at the freaking stupidity of it but now years later as i've begun to appreciate sort of some of that genius you know it's like wow i mean i'm still sitting here thinking about it had they played the show i'd probably never talk about it there's hundreds of shows there that i don't remember i will always remember that and i think i will anytime i hear the word threat you know threat in i'm gonna be thinking about this thing and curious is this genius or is it insanity it to me it's a little bit of column a or shit a lot of column a and a lot of column b so i think this wraps up pretty well uh continuing on the discussion with the promoters from the underworld so they say they may be missing a trick because the people who run Underworld reckon Threaten should make the most of their newfound notoriety. They say, he's wasted an opportunity and I don't think he should have canceled those last shows because I think they would have done quite well, um, says the London promoter. He's blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> we, we did try to invite him back for next year, meaning the Underworld tried to invite Threaten back for next year because they know that this is going to be such a thing. Um, and they say, I don't know what his point was. I thought he wanted fame and he's famous now. So to me, this very much summarizes my whole thought process is like, if this was all to be famous, then why not just roll with it? Like why throw in the towel? Why let the band members quit? Like, why would you do all of this and spend all this money to do that just for just to have a bunch of people talk about you on the internet? It'd be like next week, this is going to be over. 
And but that's like the star athlete, right? Who uses steroids. You know, I wanted to say that's like the star athlete that ends up famous because of the blooper reel. Yeah. Right. It's like they're a good enough athlete. They're out there. They're doing it. They fake their way in. But inevitably, something happens. They end up on the blooper reel like they picked up the fumble on the football field and ran 100 yards the wrong way. And they go down in history. They are famous. But if you're not getting the infamy for what you wanted it to be, that's got to be one of the most self, you know, uh, challenging experiences that I can imagine. Again, to me, I can't wait to see how this plays out. This story is not done, or at least I don't think it's done. I think that there's more to come. I think the kid got something. It got in over his head in a way that, you know, look, if I'm, we're sitting here able to analyze it because it, you know, we're sitting in the comfort of our own homes with the wisdom that we've got from our 25 plus years of experience each in this business. I mean, yeah, he played in a band that had, you know, a modicum of success, at least had some, you know, a name. I'm imagining he's so far in over his head and, you know, fight or flight tells you, holy cow, man, I'm out of here. This guy's in fear of, of what he's actually caused. That's my yeah. Tip. I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm so conflicted with this. In that, on one hand, I'm like, I understand why he did what he did. Because, I mean, how much do we talk about like the impatience of musicians and the the the, the types of guys that we talk to, and them just not knowing what's next and not know what to do next, and they don't understand how to book a tour, how to get out there. They don't understand how to build a fan base and like, like, you know, and, and yeah, this guy, this guy bought one. Um, but, and I'm not giving him any credit for doing that, but, but on the other hand, he did create something. He did create a fanfare of sorts. And it's just, it just to me, like I, I would have been curious to see if he didn't throw in the towel, how this would have played out. Um, and, and could that have created more longevity for this story? Could this have turned into a real thing? And then, then it becomes the, the, the story, how it plays out is like, oh yeah, remember how we created our career? We did this silly stunt or whatever, and it worked out and, you know, and, and whatever we, 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 we started our career with jumping the shark rather than ending it that way. Um, and uh, I don't know, but, you know, and, and I think in a lot of ways, we'll never know. Um, what's interesting is th- the story goes that the, the drummer and the guitar player in the band split right away uh, in the middle of the tour. But the bass player ended up hanging out because he had no way to get home because he couldn't he couldn't fly home, whereas the other guys borrowed money from relatives to fly home. And um, but the bass player had to hang out. So I actually hit the dude on Instagram and be like, oh, hey, man, like I'm a bass player, too. And, da, 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 and you know, no hate. Like I'm not hating on you or whatever. I'm just curious to kind of get your take on the situation of how this went down. But he never replied. So potentially we'll never know anything beyond Jared's statement of you're all part of the illusion here. But um, but it's fun, I think, for all of us to speculate, hence why so many of us did. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, my last question there is just, were they in on it? You know, what did they know? And I'm imagining they knew nothing. Um, and look, you know, still today, if somebody came over to me and said, hey, you can go to Europe tomorrow on tour, you know, the guy who loves, 
new experiences, loves being on tour. I would probably suit up and go. And if you told me there was 180 tickets sold in London, you know, I'd be warming yep. up. Um, that's that's what you and I live for. It's that excitement to me. It's that connection, and it's it's fostering that beauty of the community. And if these guys weren't in on it, I can see why at that you know first grasp of understanding what the hell is going on, they're out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could only empathize with that bass player who probably so desperately wanted to get out of there and had no way to get home. So. Damn us bass players. <laughs> oh my God. Well, this was a fun story and uh it was it was fun to dig into it. So thanks for people for uh hitting us up and requesting that we uh we chat about it. But uh that will conclude this episode 94 about Jared and his band Threaten. Uh thank you for tuning in. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, final parting thoughts. Yeah, this was a really fun one to dig into. Um, like I said, I can't wait till the sequel comes. <laughs> Threaten to the, <laughs> the, the fake news boogaloo. Um, you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike O'Loop. I uh, want to give another shout out to those sponsors, both Rockabilia, where you use the code PC Jabberjaw for 15% off, as well as Banzoogle, the code Mental for 15% off of a yearly subscription. Uh, I've got Release It Right, the uh, flagship product for Outer Loop Coaching available if you head to outerloopcoaching.com. We just did a, uh, a cool preview of the course using Ice Nine Kills The Silver Scream as the content um, story piece of it. So check it out if you haven't already. Blasco, huge props to you for another great episode. Um, peace, everybody. Have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, if you're into the Black Friday thing, use those codes and uh, get yourself something great. Nice. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Hey friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.